Theobald by Robert McMinn Chapter 16 Thursday, 17th of November Ronnie couldn't wake up on Thursday morning. He'd arrived home by 8 o'clock the night before and waited by the phone, occasionally pacing the floor, occasionally picking up the receiver to check it was still working until after midnight. Then he'd lain in bed for hours, unable to sleep, unable to think about anything else other than the vivid imagery he'd taken in whilst following the two males. The last time he noticed the time on his bedside clock, it was 4.17am. His alarm went off at 6, but he slept through it. Finally, at almost 9 o'clock, his phone rang. Eventually, the sound penetrated his foggy mind, and he stumbled from bed to answer it. It was Sukjeev from the office. Were you planning to phone in sick again? She said, without introducing herself. Sukjeev? Uh, yeah, what time is it? Nearly past the time when you'd be officially absent without permission. Shit, pass me through then. No need. I told Moonies you phoned before we got in. You still aching? Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for doing that. Ronnie tested his limbs, stroked the stitches on his chin. Actually... He was feeling somewhat better, but he didn't say so. Are you going to make a weekend of it then? Probably. Don't forget to phone in tomorrow. Cooper says hi. She hung up. Women are always hanging up on me, thought Ronnie. He needed to speak to Mel, or Melody, or both. He also needed to know if it was really safe to go back to the office, even if he did wait till Monday. He walked out to the phone box again and was about to dial Melody's number, the only one she'd given him at least, when he had second thoughts and decided to call from a different phone box. He walked a little further, coming to one outside the local post office where he waited for a woman to complete a call. The box smelt, as all phone boxes did, of either urine or Jay's fluid. He held ten pence upright in the coin slot and dialed the number from the church leaflet. Again... There was no reply. He decided to try to speak to Mel and dialed the office. When Rowena answered, he fed money into the box to the sound of the pips and then tried to disguise his voice when he asked to be put through. Can I speak to Miss Roberts, please? Rowena just said, I'm afraid she's not in the office today, and cut him off. Of course. Thursday, her college day release day. Ronnie walked abjectly back to his flat, collecting his mail from the box on the way up the stairs. He put the envelopes on the kitchen table and went to the phone again. This time he dialed Mel's home phone number, just in case she had stayed home instead of going to college. Her dad picked up and Ronnie asked to speak to Melanie. I'm afraid she spent the night at her boyfriend's house. You'll have to try later, he said. Ronnie sat looking at the phone. Her boyfriend's house? There was nobody else he could call. He would have to wait to see if she picked him up for the meeting tonight. He went back to the kitchen and put the kettle on. While he was waiting for it to come to the boil, he looked through the pile of mail. There was a bill, two items of business post, a leaflet and a postcard. He flipped the postcard over to see who it was from. It read... It's much more impressive when you're standing underneath it. See you soon, love, Lulu. X. Ronnie realised what it was. 
He turned to look at the picture on the front of the postcard, which he hadn't registered before. It was of the Eiffel Tower. The small print on the back of the postcard confirmed it was completed in 1889 for the Paris World's Fair. This meant run. Ronnie scrabbled through his kitchen drawers looking for the meter-covered key, cursing himself for not finding it before, when there was less urgency. Finally, he found it and dashed down the stairs to the basement of converted townhouse his flat was in. He unlocked the cupboard with shaking fingers and found a brown intra-office envelope attached to the inside of the door with masking tape. He ripped it off. Inside was a bundle of French franc notes, a car ferry ticket to Dieppe from New Haven, a birth certificate and an Irish passport. Both official documents were in the name of Ronald Collins. The ferry ticket had both his false name and his car registration number. A note with the bundle said, Go now. You don't have time to take much with you. Sell the car when you get to France. Take proof of ownership. The tapes are safe. Love, M. X. Ronnie ran back up to his flat, threw as many clothes as he could fit into his rucksack, found his car registration document, insurance certificate and MOT, switched off all the power, grabbed his wallet and left the flat. He was about to slam the door behind him when he thought about his guitars. He considered the wisdom of making several trips to the car and back in order to take his gear with him and decided it was too risky. He went back inside, picked up just his acoustic guitar in its travel case and left the rest behind. It was 11.11am, 11, 11 Thursday 17th of November 1983.